What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Perez, along with Anthony Florentino, and this podcast is proudly sponsored by Daily Dose CBD, Inc. Currently, I'm using their chapsticks, oils, and body bombs on a daily basis right now, and um, they flat out work. I really love their products, and I believe in them, and I know you guys will feel the same way. So um, they also have dog treats as well. So head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 at checkout for 15% off all your purchases. That's DailyDoseCBDInc.com, promo code MONKEYMIND15, no spaces, and get 15% off all purchases at checkout. And this is episode 36 featuring Kyle Bonus, professional hockey player who played for the Toledo Walleye this past season in the East Coast Hockey League. Let's get into the episode. heard about what we're doing here but we're just kind of um, we're giving athletes a platform to talk about mental health and some of the things that they struggled with and just kind of tell their story so um you know we start off every podcast with you just giving an introduction about who you are and you know sport you play and just a you know brief intro about uh, who you are yeah so uh kyle bonus um 31 i play play hockey i've been to play kind of all over the world into this year i'm going to play Play hopefully one more year. All, all things willing for the Toledo Walleye, but I've, geez, I played in uh, a couple countries. I did a did a year and a half overseas. Uh, started my career in 2014 with uh, the or 13 13 14 with Florida Everblades. I went to school at Ferris State in Michigan, and I've kind of I've been in the U.S. since I was 18, off and on. But I'm originally from Lindsay, Ontario, and grew up there my whole life grew up in one spot my parents are still there but uh yeah hockey has been absolutely everything for me and I it's get tons of ups and downs I would have never I would have never expected all the things good and bad that the game has given me but uh, I wouldn't change any of it for the world yeah I think everyone who plays can can agree to that that there's a lot of life lessons taught in hockey and it becomes everything to everybody it's consuming you know all consuming majority of us so um just real quick before we get keep going kind of talk about how you know growing up was there the um a rough choice between making the major junior route and college or did you kind of know you wanted to play college being that you're a Canadian I feel like you know from what I've heard they sort of push major junior um to the Canadian kids a lot yeah um so I was drafted I wasn't drafted my 16 year old year I went and played tier two junior a and then I was drafted after that year to the very cold rain camp and everything. And I honestly, to this day, I've been asked that question before, and I couldn't tell you why. I went to camp, went to everything, had a really good camp. And back then they had that like 48 hour rule mm-hmm. that like, obviously you can only stay for two days. And if you kept staying, then you had to forfeit a year of eligibility. And they asked me to stay after those 48 hours. And I just, I, I was in the room with the, the coaches and, myself and I was just like no I think I'm good and I, I still to this day do not have an answer why I made that choice um and for a while because obviously I didn't I didn't commit to school till I was uh 20 in the summer between my 20 and 21 year old year of junior I was I was really considering going to play d3 hockey because I just I played four years of juniors and I just wasn't sure if, if d1 was in the cards and um you know Ferris offered me an opportunity and I, and I jumped at it but you know there was a lot of 
couple of years there where I was like, I don't know if I made the right choice. And, you know, it ended up working out that school was incredible. Had some of my best friends for life, met my wife there and uh, just, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's great to hear that you feel like you made, you know, the right choice, I guess. But um, yeah, kind of just talk about sort of your experience with mental health and kind of some of the things that you've maybe struggled with in the past or still to this day struggle with. Yes. So, so my, my journey with it, I, so I, I, I was playing overseas. I did a year in Norway in 2017, 2018. And then I, and then the next year I went to Slovakia and I kind of went, went kicking and screaming because I just, I, I didn't know anything about Slovakia. You know, my, my agent recommended it to me and I was like, okay, it's, I'm going over with some friends. And from the minute I got there, I just was not, I was not comfortable at all. And I spent six months incredibly isolated, incredibly stressed out. And, you know, I think all of us, especially with mental health, stress naturally, but we all make, we all kind of make our own natural coping mechanisms that deal with them over time. And that just, that stress of that situation with no one speaking English, the, the lack of, of healthcare around just really brought on my, my anxiety. And, and, you know, as I, as I've learned, like, as I've gone to therapy, I've, I've learned that I obviously everyone in the world has anxiety, but I've had, you know, higher anxiety than most people. And I've had it my whole life. Now that I know what those kind of things feel like, like now that I know what a panic attack feels like now that I know what moments of extreme anxiety feel like, I realized I'd had them, you know, my whole life. They just were more isolated incidents. But when I was overseas, as, as time went on, I was starting to have, I started to have panic attacks multiple times a day, multiple times an hour. And I, I had no idea what, what it was because I hadn't, I'd never been to therapy before up, up until March of March of this year was the first time I'd ever gone and sat down and talked to somebody. So I had no idea what to even put into what was happening other than I was like, why is my heart racing? Why do I feel like I'm going to faint? Why is the hair on my neck standing up? And it's, it's just, it, it, it's kind of all came to a head in a place that I didn't feel comfortable in because I was, I was on the ice having panic attacks being like, like, what if I pass out right here? Like I'm in a place, I'm going to go to the hospital and I'm not going to be able to talk to the doctors. Like they're not going to be able to talk to me. They're not going to know what's going on. And that, that whole anxiety cycle just kept circulating, kept circulating until it got to the point where I like looked at my wife one day and I was just, she came in, she came in the, uh, the living room and, and I was just crying on the couch and I was like, I don't know what is going on, but I know that I need help. I know that I need to figure out what is going on. And I, I was so lucky going back to Toledo and I, I had, I had known in years past that they were one of the, one of the first teams, especially in the coast that had a, a team sports psychologist and a therapist. And I was like, I, I was like, I have to go back to Toledo because that's the only place I know that has someone that I can talk to because I was like, something's going on, but I need to talk to somebody. I got to figure out what is going on. Something's not right. What was, how long did it take you to kind of get to that point? You said it was the duration of your time. There was like six months. You said, right. Was it towards the tail end where you was like, where you were just saying, I need to get this checked out or was it a little bit beforehand. And then did you just come immediately home after that decision and talk us through that decision too? Cause I think Flo and I were both in, some of the positions this past year, we were kind of battling it for quite a bit. And then there was just that breaking point. We were just like you, we were like, we have to get this figured out. Yeah. So, so I started having, 
really noticeable panic attacks during every single warm up of the game that I felt like my heart was racing. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to pass out, but um, I, I don't know what, like what, whether you guys have had panic attacks or not, but like, you know, that they just kind of, you, you work yourself up in a situation. So for me, I was working it up into warmups, but when warmup was over, I was like, Oh, I just get through warmup and then I'm fine during the game. So that's what was happening is I was just, I was getting through warmup and then it would go away and I'd be fine during the game. And then for the rest of the day, I was just like, I was really unhappy with where I was, but I wasn't having the same physical response. Um, but the, you know, the first time my wife was like to me, you know, maybe she just talked to somebody and overseas resources are limited. So I, I went to the, uh, I found, I found a therapist online was talking to somebody, but it was probably from the first time I, I spoke to somebody about what was going on to where I was like, I really need to go home was a month. But now that I know what the symptoms were and what I was going through, it was I had started having more severe panic attacks in the summer before I even left. But again, they were just way more spread out. Like I can remember, so we got back, um, we had to fly to Canada first to get the rest of my stuff to get my car and everything from Europe and then drive to drive to Toledo. And I can remember that whole drive. It's like six and a half hours. And I was having three, four panic attacks an hour. And some of them, like, they'd last five, 10 minutes. And I was like driving a car and I was like, what is going on? Like, this is terrifying. Like I have my wife with me. I was like, I just have, I have to, like, I started setting goals. Okay. Got to get to this point. Got to get to this point. Got to get to this point. Because I knew once I got to Toledo, I was going to be in a place that A, I was far more comfortable in. And I knew that there was kind of, I don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel, but I was like, there's a resource there for me to start to figure out what I need to do to get back to a place that I want to be in. Yeah, I, di I didn't know Toledo was one of, uh, one of a few teams that actually had, uh, you know, that resource option. Um, it's actually crazy to think about as pro hockey. Um, how it's almost not mandatory to have them. Like, especially with – it's actually funny you mentioned Slovakia because I've been talking to a couple guys lately and something about Slovakia, like the language barrier, um, just the environment in general. Um, you know, guys didn't have very a lot of good things to say about it and, you know, it sparked a lot of issues for them too. But um, – do you think that's a problem within the – I don't want to say the East Coast League, but just kind of pro hockey in general is the lack of resources or um, – because I'm not sure about other teams. It's um, always good to hear about the teams that do have it, but um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so ever since my first year in Florida, like I said 2013-14, there was no – there was nothing like that. Um, and I think maybe back then I still think – even from my own perspective, the mental health was not, not as much in the forefront as it is now. I think it's really coming a long way and it's, it's awesome. Um, but Toledo ever since 14, 15 has had the same person. She is, she's an incredible lady. We have a team meeting every year and at the beginning of the beginning of the season and, and she comes in and she just kind of lays it out. Like we'll talk about what do you want to talk about? It, like the team pays for it all. Like it's not, not doesn't cost the guys anything. And I, I absolutely am such an advocate for anyone that wants 
especially in the sports world, but anyone in general, anyone that wants access to a therapist, have access to a therapist just because I mean, things happen and, you know, you shouldn't have to, you, you can't always control everything around you. And sometimes things just happen that are confusing and they're scary. And you, you have to have that resource to just be able to go in there and, and you know, kind of lay things out. And, you know, I, I just, I hate the fact that some people think that there's no option. And I, I couldn't imagine when I was, you know, at the, the height of, you know, my kind of my tipping point of like something needs to happen. I couldn't imagine like trying to figure that out on Google or trying to figure that out by watching a YouTube video. Like that is the worst thing you can do is just do the old Google research and create more problems than you ever would need. So it just, I think every single team needs to have one because it just, everyone deals with stuff. Even if it's such a small scale, um, small scale problem, it's just nice to figure out, you know, the way your brain works and, and just be able to, to get that under control. I, I couldn't agree more, especially with the whole, you know, self-diagnosis on Google. I mean, I've, I've taken that approach and it just drives you deeper into the, the rut that you're in. And luckily for me, I've have a great support system in my family, but you know, for a while it just took me a bit to kind of, you know, I didn't want to go to them cause I didn't want to worry them, but I had that support system still. And I was still grateful for that. But you know, there's people out there who don't necessarily have support systems or people that they can go to and they tend to bottle things up more. And, and if I was going the whole Google search, Google search route and I have that support system, I can only imagine those who just don't have that that sort of outlet. And I think, like you said, it's so important. I think it needs to be the same way every team has a strength and conditioning coach. Every team should have a sports psychologist or something along those lines. And like you said, the, those issues that you have, they could be so small and you could work through them as opposed to just taking other routes that aren't necessary and feeling like you're in a corner and that you've no, no other way to you know get out of it. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think, I think even you, you can kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize it with the expression nip thing in the bud, because that's just, that's not the right expression, but that's the one I'm using because I think the, the earlier, like I think even quote unquote people that don't think they have any mental illness, just going and talking to someone is such a, a powerful thing just an objective third party that understands the way the brain works that can just help you the way in the way you process things. Because we all have, we all have trauma. We all deal with shit. Like it just, it's, it's the way life goes. Um, some of us just feel things harder than other people do. So I, I just, I think that it needs to improve by leaps and bounds. And I think it has, I, I think our generation and the generations below us are so comfortable talking about mental health um, and, and just okay to like, I, it's not, an, it's not a negative thing to be like, yeah, I, you know, I went and talked to somebody like it, it, it's a strength. It takes some courage. And then, people need to realize too, that it, it can lead to some monumental changes for good. Like I, the last eight or nine months have been some of the hardest, most emotionally challenging moments of my life, but I am just in such a better headspace because I went and talked to somebody. I know what's going on. I know what, what a panic attack feels like. I know how to identify it. I know that, you know, I have a higher leveling of anxiety than you know, say the average person who's kind of flat lines here, but it's also led me to some incredible self-reflection and some, you know, 
know, where I want my life to go. And it's just given me so many tools to just be a better human every day. <clears throat> you say that since the last eight or nine months, you've discovered new ways to identify panic attacks and um, how to handle them. What are some ways that are beneficial for you when you're either feeling one coming on or you're going through one? What are some ways that you, you know, ground yourself or balance yourself back to, you know, that state of ease? Uh, so, so meditation has been a, a huge one for me. That was when I got into, you know, a few months ago and you know, that has just been an awesome, an awesome, uh, you know, kind of natural tool, just that, that focusing the mind back, back on, on what's actually happening in, in, in your, you know, what's happening in that second, because when, when you're having a panic attack, it's 99.9% it, .9 of the time has absolutely nothing to do with what's in front of you. I can almost say a hundred percent of the time it is, it's not about what's right in front of you because it's just not, if, if it, that was a bit, then it's not a panic attack, then it's a, you know, a tangible threat. If you have a tiger in your living room, that's not a panic attack. That's a real fight or flight response rather than a superficial one. And another one I, I did some along with that meditation is the, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Wim Hof. Yeah, Wim Hof breathing. The ice yeah. man, the breathing and the cold showers that just and ice baths and that, and, you know, putting yourself in that that fight or flight state, and then you have to get into those meditative breathings to, um, you know, bring yourself back to back to neutral has been has been huge. And you know, with, with therapy too, learning about like how how the you know it's ironic that your podcast is called Monkey Mind or Monkey Brain. Monkey mind. Monkey mind. So they obviously that's, you know, that was one of the things that came up in my yeah. you know, therapy sessions, like learning. And it was just like, you know, that that's what your mind wants to do. It wants to jump from here. And then, you know, when you get anxious, it wants to create different pathways. So it's just rewiring those brain, those brain paths back to, you know, a healthier spot. And, you know, not, it's never going to be perfect, but it is certainly a lot of those things all together has helped, has helped a ton in, you know, controlling them at least, from when they used to be some of them were 20 30 minutes now some of them are 10 seconds and they just the anxiety cycle isn't as bad because you're like okay it's panic attack whatever move on keep moving on my day yeah how how exactly i know meditation is so simple you just have to sit there and, and breathe and focus on the breath but i feel like there's just a lot of different ways that it's kind of been interpreted or been talked about so just kind of get into specifics if you care to just kind of what is your meditation routine and if you can go into specifics about the whole Wim Hof breathing and the Wim Hof ice bath, just kind of how that it goes into your day and what exactly are you doing as far yeah. as those go? Yeah. So the uh, meditation, you know, I, I usually, I try to do that every day. Um, when, you know, in the middle of in COVID, in the middle of lockdown, it was, it was a hundred percent every day. It was 10 to 15 minutes. And it was just the breathing and it was obviously focusing on the breath. So if you're putting all of your energy into focusing on the breath, you know, the counting in one, two, three, or whatever you count to, and then breathing out and you put all of your attention to that. And then as your mind drifts, then you have to bring it back. So it's basically treating your mind like a muscle. So you're bringing your, bringing your brain back to one, two, three, eventually you're going to drift off into some tangent, kind of mind tangent, bring it back. And the more and more you do that, you can start to learn to do that in everyday life situations. So when you start getting in 
getting in anxious or stressful situations that, you know, aren't relevant to what's actually happening, then your mind is already adapted to, you can kind of feel it like, okay, bring my mind back to whatever task I'm doing. Um, so that's, you know, that's where meditation, it, it's meditation's 10 minutes, 15 minutes of breathing, but you can apply the skills and the mind training to all day activity. And the cold shower is just, uh, or cold tub, um, it's also, like I said before, you literally are putting yourself in fight or flight because as soon as you get into that freezing cold water, the first thing you, your body wants to do is jump out. So once you can control it and you know, your breath gets really shallow because it's so cold and you tense up. So you have to force yourself to relax, you know, feel the cold and then slow your breath, steady your breath down. And then eventually your body adapts and your breathing regulates. And it's the same thing. It literally, every time you do it, it puts your body into a fight or flight situation and you just breathe your way through it. So you're just trying to, you're sitting there for say 10 minutes a day. You're purposely putting yourself for is it 10, 15 minutes. And then your whole purpose is to necessarily focus on that breathing the whole time and not allowing yourself to kind of get carried away. And wow, this is cold. Holy shit. Give me out kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So usually you st I, I start with, um, if it's not a cold bath, I usually take a cold shower, but I start with a warm shower, soap off, whatever I'm doing. And then I literally right away, just crank it down to as cold as possible and let it, let it just hit my neck and it'll just like, immediately tense me up and then you have to just breathe your way through it and then you just focus on your breathing get yourself back to, to center and then you literally as you start to get good at it you literally almost stop feeling the water because you just get so focused on fo so focused on your breath but literally every time it puts you into that i need to jump out i need to jump out and then you just breathe and relax and let the tension go away that's incredible yeah i've been a big fan not necessarily you know, there's no exact way I do it every time, but the cold showers have definitely been, you know, life-saving for me, whether it's, you know, letting it hit the back of my neck or just kind of, you know, the top of my head and just run down my body. Like those, that's probably been what helps me the most. I, I haven't necessarily done the breathing specifically or like, you know, counted, um, but um, you know, when you're training and you're skating, you not necessarily focus on the counting, but you focus on maybe where you're breathing, like in your body, whether it's, you know, the top of your, like right under your rib cage or down below. And I felt like that's been helpful too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, speaking of that, like when you, when you're really, you know, gassed in practice, you're kind of only almost just breathing in your throat like that. <sighs> And you're yes. not really getting a full breath and that's not really letting you recover. So that's the other thing you have to learn to like breathe into your diaphragm and like that big, like that big deep breath is just so much more beneficial. And, um, you know, people that hyperventilate, it's the same thing like that, like that just really shallow, shallow breath. So if you can naturally just calm down your, your systems, those big deep breaths do so much more to calm down your whole body. Yeah, I, I uh, was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with James Nestor and talks, he's like a breathing expert. And he talks about only breathing through your nose and that when we breathe through our mouths, we're getting in too much oxygen. So it and it's not quality oxygen. So when you go through your nose, the hairs in your nose act like filters to clear out the air. And you're only getting the proper amount of air that your lungs need. When you breathe through your mouth, you get in too much. And then you just want to consistently breathe in and out of your nose. And it's just so funny. I feel like you talked about the, the mouth breathing when you're bagged from a drill or a shift, whatever. It's, only, it's so shallow. It's such a shallow breath. 
But if you can control your breath and focus getting it all the way deep into your lungs and out in a controlled way, we're noticing studies with our heart rates dropping significantly and it just has so many neurological effects. Yeah, the the human body is the most incredible system the more you start learning about some of these things and like realistically i'm still an idiot but (laughs) i just i think that there's we just we're so lucky we have so many so many mechanisms that just you can literally and like that's wim hoff's big thing is you can literally learn to be a master of your own um, emotions and like just over time like you really really can you can just learn to get yourself into a good place and you're going to screw it up. Sure. hundred percent. But just the confidence in knowing that you have all of these tools, which again, goes back to, you know, talking to someone who can put in, put in place some more coping mechanisms and some more tools in your tool bag that if you learn to, like, there's, there's no one in the world that can talk to you and tell you that I'm going to eliminate every stressful, every joyful, every sad event in your life. That's just not realistic. But you can, you can give yourself enough tools that you are equipped to handle every situation as best, best you can. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, for me looking back on what was the worst year of my life, um, with my mental health, I mean, just with everything going on, it was such a low point, but, you know, taking the necessary steps to get myself better. And now being on the other side of that, I look back on what was the worst time in my life as such an incredible learning experience. And I think if you shift your perspective into thinking that, like you were talking about, um, you're not going to escape every sad moment. You're going to be sad. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be upset. You're going to be happy, you know, but when you take these emotions and you run into them and you say, okay, like, how am I going to react to this emotion? And you see that you've gone through some pretty horrible stuff and you're still around and you're still alive and you're still healthy. I think when you change your perspective on that, I look back on, on this year and, I, and it's crazy to say that I'm so grateful for it because it was such a great learning experience, you know, um, and, and that I am bigger than these emotions and these thoughts that are in my head. Um, but I will say this, it's a scary, scary place to be into. And I don't wish it upon anybody, but if someone is going through that, just know that it's, it's an opportunity to learn from it and grow from it as well. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. That literally, I have I've had that conversation. Obviously, I, I've kept, you know, I've kept my my circle, you know, fairly small. And when this when this opportunity came up, I was like, you know, why why not why not jump on something like this and just lay it all out there? And it, it's it's okay. Like it just it is what it is. Like people struggle, and I you know I was in a bad place. And I, I have gained so much perspective. I, I am absolutely right there with you. I wouldn't wish, you know, some of the emotions I've gone through on anybody, but then at the same point, I would wish some of this perspective on everybody because it's so powerful and it's been, it's just been something that I know that, you know, the rest of my life is going to benefit from what I've learned. And it's incredible. Like it was almost just like a cram course in, in in life just in such a short window like having it you know struggles with mental health and then going into a, a pandemic and then trying to try to immigrate to the u.s and dealing with a bunch of super super challenging life life sequences like 
whew, it was it was a lot, but now it's just kind of one of those situations. Like the next thing that comes up, it's like I bring it on. Like I, I can handle this. Like I, I'm ready. Like I'm ready for the next the next challenge. Um, and it is. It's just uh, that was one of the first things that you know came up in some of my therapy sessions. It's just don't be afraid of don't be afraid of, of those emotions and how do you frame those emotions when everyone's happy, everyone's like, Oh, this is great. I want to feel this forever. But then when people get sad, especially, you know, as guys and as athletes, it's like, well, that's weird. Why, why is that guy upset? Like he should, he's a, you know, big tough hockey player, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just because I, I guess we can hit a puck better than 99% of the planet doesn't mean we should be equipped to handle emotions better than 99% of the planet either. And that goes with every sport like that. Just because we're good at one small phase of our life, that doesn't mean that we have to be an expert in every other phase of our life. Like shit just happens. Yeah. I, that's such a great point. You bring that up. I think uh, people always say like, Oh, you're playing pro hockey or you're living in this country. You, you have nothing to complain about or be anxious about, you know? And I've, I've asked myself those same questions, you know, like why, why am I feeling this way? I'm living something, a dream that I've, a goal that I've tried to achieve for so long, I'm, I'm, you know, working towards that or I'm in the midst of it. It's, it's great. I should be happy. But I think the biggest thing is to separate what you do and your activity and from who you are as a person and what you're dealing with as a person. You know, I think a lot of people don't really realize that, you know, like they just say, oh, you're an athlete. Just, just shut up and play. You should be happy with whatever opportunity you get. But it's, that's not saying we're ungrateful. We're very grateful for where we're at and what we're doing. And we are very happy with what we're doing. It's just there's emotions that we feel as people. Like you said, even before, you know, you were playing professionally, you've always had sort, sort of these episodes. Just they're not correlated, you know. And, and that's the thing that we have to differentiate between. That's, that's what we're trying to differentiate between is that, yeah, we may be happy with what we're doing and we're so grateful that we're playing hockey, but there's something else going on here that's behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think like, what, a, what a blessing that – if I had just been having, you know, panic episodes and whatever, not correlated to hockey, I'm not sure if I ever would have got to the point where I knew I needed help because I've just, I always, you know, you guys probably feel the exact way that the rink is placed. The rink is, 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 you know, your, your sanctity. It just, it, it's been like that for me. It's like that skating up and down the ice, the wind in your face. Like there's, there's nothing that'll ever replace that. Started creeping into that. Then I was like, you know, wait a minute, there, there's a real, there's a deeper issue here when the thing that I'm doing that has given me the most joy since I was three years old is now not able to, to alleviate that problem. And, you know, they became intertwined. And that was, that was when I really knew that, you know, something was wrong and I needed to, to make an adjustment for my own health. Yeah. Flo, is that when you decided that you were, um, going to go home after it was like the practice. Right. And then you said you were going home. Yeah. I, I got to the point where I was having panic attacks, like two or three drills into practice. And it got to the point where like I was sending passes like head high. Cause my hand, like when I get panic attacks, like I almost feel like I'm losing feeling in my hands, like my body just like all out of, all out of sorts. And like I was putting passes like, head high like just not even able to function and it got to the point where it's like like you said something we've been doing since we were three where we would always use that as our outlet is now 
being completely taken over by this deeper issue that realistically we were unaware of. So it, like it got to the point where, you know, I was in practice, I'd get, I'd get back and I, you know, you have all that free time and it just became an issue and, you know, they kept happening over and over again. And it got to the point where I was like, I, I need to figure something out because like, I can't end up curled up in a ball at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Cause I feel like I'm having a heart attack and it, yeah. it's just when, when we use hockey as an outlet for so long and then these panic attacks start happening and almost hockey being the reason like you start to you know you need to focus on your overall health and being a human being and separate yourself like Danny said separate yourself from you know the hockey player or just the individual yeah no I I couldn't agree more I I I had similar experiences where I was literally skating up the ice in a drill and I was like I'm I have to keep moving because I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack and the only way to get rid of this adrenaline is to skate faster and it's just such a weird, weird feeling. And, uh, yeah, I, I can remember some of those practices. I actually remember my first practice in, in Slovakia. I looked over at a guy and like, I, it felt like someone was just stepping on my chest and I was like, like what the, the practice hasn't even started yet. And I looked at, looked at him and I was like, I think I'm going to faint. And he, like, he just was like, he's like, Oh yeah, don't do that. And I, like, I kind of like laughed it off and I got to the line. I was like, no, fuck. I like legit feel like I might faint. Like what's going on. <laughs> the trainer the guy over there couldn't speak a word of english you just look at him and you'd be like pedro like something's wrong and he all he could say was good he'd be like you good and give you the thumbs up and i was like okay so if something happens <laughs> this is the guy that's gonna solve the problem like that just and it's it's funny now but in that moment i was like fuck, this is not it. Like, this is not, this is yeah. not right now. Yeah. Good. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, like, when I get a panic attack, like, the last thing I want to do is fucking, like, sit down and try and explain to somebody what I'm feeling. Like, all these people are like, you good? Do you need anything? You yeah. need water? What do you want? You need ibuprofen? What do you need? You need a bed? Like, yeah. I want you to stop talking to me. Yeah. Like, get away from me because... I don't even know how I'm feeling and yeah. like, yeah, it's, I give them one of these, just give them the hand. Be like, <laughs> not yeah. now. like yeah. Give me a second here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man, I know it. And it's crazy. Like I, I remember the week that I left I, after one of the practices, I just broke down crying on the ice. Just like try to like hide it. Like tried to, I was a rookie. So I wanted to stay on, like make sure I was picking up the pucks, doing whatever that, that was. But you know, doing extra stuff, but I was just like, had, like I'm just trying to hide in the corner. I was just weeping, crying, like trying to hide, like look into the stands or whatever. And then the the game that I left after that game, I remember right before, um, right after the national anthem, I just started bawling, crying, shaking, and just puking. And I would, oh yeah, right, right on the bench, puking. And that's when I realized I was like, at this point, I had been trying to like battle through it. You know, I already got on home once and then came back, went home to see a therapist, came back and tried to keep battling through it. But that's when I realized, like, this isn't going to go away. I need to go home and just figure this out. And I remember once I, I, I knew right after I puked and, like, had that episode and, like, cried, I was like, I, I was like, I'm going home. I just kept staring at the clock after every shift, stare at the clock. I was like, 
like you said with Toledo, like getting to those checkpoints, that was me during a game. I wasn't even focused on anything about the game except just like hopefully like not sticking out in the worst way and just getting through it, you know, and then in the airport, just making sure I got on that plane and just like, you can only imagine what was going on in my head about like the plane ride. And yeah. like once I touched ground, like it was just the, the greatest feeling to know that I was home and I was going to take steps to get it, to get it right. But I, I don't know if you can relate to this experience as far as like, are there points in this past year, your past season where like, I, I can't remember a lot of stuff, you know, it, it slowly comes back to me and I could piece things together, but there were so many times where I was in this place where I just, can't remember a lot of it. Do you feel you had the uh, same experience where you look back and a lot of it's pretty hazy or, or fuzzy? A, a lot of it's blurred together, but I, I do remember I had a similar experience. I, I when I kind of, I put it in my head, like I knew I had to go home, but we were playing a game and I literally remember getting dressed like this. Uh, we were, we were somewhere in, I think it was like Kosice in Slovakia. And I was like, this is my last game and I'm getting out of here. And I literally, and at that point, we had, we had fired the coach, got a new coach, and this guy was a English or English speaking guy. And I literally remember the coach like having a meeting with me in between the second and third period, and no joke. And I, it, he didn't know what was going on, so I don't want to like, I'm not gonna put this guy on blast. He didn't know what was going on. He literally looked at me and he goes, "Are you mentally stable right now?" <laughs> and like, if he, I don't know, maybe if he didn't know, like, I just like now I'm like. That fucking guy had no idea what the hell I was dealing with. And that was the expression he used. And I was just like, this is in between the second and third. And I, I, I would love to see footage of that game because, like, if I touched a puck, it'd be shocking. That was just – it was so bad. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's, that's tough. Were they um, – like, were they pretty good about you deciding to go home and were they understanding? Or, or did you just kind of keep it to yourself? Like, hey, it's not for me? Or did you kind of – confide and say hey this is why I'm getting out of here so so I I sat down with a couple of the a couple of the guys the, the all the imports and um some of the better English speaking guys and said like hey like I, I have some stuff going on like it was during a uh, national team break and like I, I stayed away from the rink for a week and I was like just really trying to make sure if, if I was going to make this decision I was making the right decision and you know, they were, they, you know, took the credit, the, the Slovaks that spoke in English, they were like, you know, we can try to get you with a therapist here, blah, blah, blah. And I just like, I knew that that wasn't going to be the, the right fit, but you know, they were pretty understanding. Even in that same coach, like I talked to him, I like was leaving. I had to leave basically in the morning um, early. And he, he was like, yeah, I go home, get better. And like one of their team staff drove me to the airport. And I, I had a similar experience on the plane. I, I literally remember like just sitting like, after we, I think we flew to Germany and then from Germany home. And I literally remember just like listening to music and like as the plane, like I was getting over like Toronto, I literally was just like sobbing in my seat, like just like my wife's beside me and I'm like trying to like not like freak her out because like she doesn't know what's really, really going on at that point because I didn't know really what was going on. And I'm literally in the airplane just like sobbing because I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm home. Like I, again, I can see like a path to at least figuring out what the next step is yeah yeah i i'm sure we could both attest to that feeling um as far as just like when you make that decision and finally start going home then you can see see home or you know the home stretch and it's uh that right there in itself is a lot of weight off it, off its chest so um flo was mentioning that you have uh, an emotional support dog i don't so I okay was, my, my wife's terrified of dogs 
Oh, okay. So, so Willie does. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it's funny that, you know, she was trained to, to, you know, sense, sense anxiety and, you know, that's kind of her job. And every time I would go to Willie's place, that dog would not leave my side. Really? Like, like it was the weirdest thing. And like, they even made that joke. They're like, wow. Like her name's Rainy. They're like, wow, Rainy really likes you. And I just assumed it was because I was a dog person. And like, now that like, I have a little more knowledge. I'm like, geez, was Rainy picking up on something before I even knew what was going on? And she was like, all right, I'm just going to try and help this guy. I can't tell him yet, but yeah. I'm going to try and do a job. Cause like, um, Crazy. yeah, it was, wow. it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. I apologize for mixing that up, but um, <laughs> have you done much research on that? on the emotional support dogs and kind of, I I don't really know too much about that, but I, I mean, that's pretty incredible. I didn't know it was to that extent of their knowledge. And yeah, again, I I could be completely making it up, but like, I just, I I know that's what, what they're trained to do. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, dogs just naturally put everyone at ease, but I have, I've done absolutely no, no research. I don't know how they're trained to do that or how they become an emotional support animal. It's crazy if that's like a legitimate thing though. Yeah, like, it would be wild. like you said, you didn't even, you didn't even know. <laughs> no. Yeah. I just knew that every time I came over there, that dog would just like literally just jump on me and lay down. Yeah. That's what Willie was telling me. And, uh, I heard him like talking about his dog on the, on the bus. And that's kind of how him and I got talking. But he said that every time we went there, uh, the dog would just straight to you. Yeah, it was it, it was super weird. Yeah, I uh, have a question regarding what's something that you would want someone who is in your shoes or maybe a younger a younger of yourself to know, um, just kind of navigating the whole process. I guess some words of advice for someone who may be in the same position or may soon be in the same position as you. Talk to someone sooner than you think you need to. I, I don't think anyone should, I think waiting to go talk to a therapist is far more detrimental to anyone's How I, I, I said earlier, I think it's always great, but I, I think the earlier, if, even if you're just like, huh, something's, something's off like that, that, that hour, hour and a half sitting with someone who's, who's, um, you know, professional, they do can just make such a, such a lasting impact. And I would also say, find a therapist that you legitimately connect with. Like I said, I, I was doing one online and, you know, to no fault of their own, it just was not, was not a fit. And, you know, once I found, found one that was, was a fit, it just, it makes all the difference. You can actually feel like you can, you know, unload some of the things that you, know, you might be uncomfortable sharing with the average person. And, you know, it, it's, it's such a freeing feeling when you tell someone something and like you expect them to just like, give you a funny look and they're like, well, so what? And it's just like, wait, like, really? Like, I thought this was going to be like this, like monumental thing that I was going to like unload. And they're just like, yeah, that's normal. Like everyone does with that. Um, so that would be my, my biggest thing. I would go talk to someone sooner than you, you think you need to, even if it, even if it things that it's a one-off, like it just, it's almost like breaking that first barrier of like getting over yourself and realizing it's totally normal and totally okay to just go talk to someone that, that like break down that ego a little bit and be like, yeah, it's totally good. It's a, actually a sign of strength to be like, I need some help with this. Yeah. Yeah. Flo and I've talked about this. I've mentioned on other podcasts previously, and it's just like, we're starting to slowly realize that 
we thought we were the outliers because we, we dealt with this, but starting to realize that majority of us deal with it. And if you don't deal with something to some magnitude, almost, it's almost like they're the outlier, you know, it's just, it's a lot more normal than, than we think. And I think talking about it is kind of starting to realize that. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think I, I hope that one day mental health is literally talked about like someone having the flu that it just is one of those things that just kind of comes with life. And it just, there's so many resources out there and there's just so many things that, you know, once you get over that, like, it's just, sometimes it's just not one of those things that you can just snap out of. Like it, it, it's something that, you know, needs to be treated and there's many different paths to, to treatment and there's, you know, recovery, you know, like a heartbeat. It's not a straight uphill trajectory. Um, there's going to be ups and downs, but it is such a rewarding one thing, and you have to do the work too. Like, I, you know, my, my therapist would send me home with, with things like, you know, just kind of over the next week, do this, change your thoughts with this, shift your perspective with it. And you really have to kind of, you know, buy into that too, which goes back to you really have to go to a therapist you connect with. Yeah. No, that's great. Oh, that's awesome. Flo, you have anything else for him? No, I mean, it, it seems like you're in a good spot. And I think like you said, the eight or nine months that you've, um, you know, been going through and whatnot is, I think it's great to see where you're at now. Um, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad that you got through this immigrant, not immigration, but, you know, moving down here, buying a house during quarantine. So, I mean, if you think back to that, I mean, you can just kind of pat yourself on the back and, you know, say, I got this, but, um, I appreciate you coming on. I think, uh, I think people can learn a lot from this one. Um, I'm just grateful that you decided to tell your story. Yeah, boys, I, I can tell you, like even even just thinking about putting that out in the world was it was it was a bit much for a couple of days. But I, I again, I was just like, it's just time. Like it just it doesn't it doesn't define who I am. And if it can start to help people and start to realize that like just everyone deals with shit like that. I just I think this is such a, a just an awesome thing you're doing because I think. As, as you guys said, that we are not the outliers. I can absolutely guarantee that, that we are so far from the outliers in this situation that, you know, people just need to know that there's, there's a, there's a route to happiness and there's a route to recovery. And it's, it's honestly so worth it at the end. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you again, man. We really, really do appreciate it. And uh, before we let you go, we just have one quick question for you. Uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. Oh, awesome. Every, there you go. every Christmas, I, I watched it the other day, and I was just was my wife was cooking, and I'm just, like, quoting half the movie. She was <laughs> just like, how many times are you going to watch this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been on quite a bit on TV lately. I've I seen, like, I'm th- freeform, like, three or four times already. So, yeah. yeah. That, that's a great pick, though. Awesome. Sure. But thanks again. Have a good one. Yeah. Alright boys, take it easy.